Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. And boy, I've got some good news for you today. We're continuing in our series called The Trinity's Inexhaustible Mystical Adventure of Experiencing the Euphoria of Perichoresis Community. Today's part seven, and we're talking about patience. The fruit of the Spirit is how God is. These things that are listed in Galatians 5 are God's character traits. Love is God's essence, and these other fruits of the Spirit are ways that His love is expressed in how God relates to everybody. So in Galatians 5.22, the Apostle Paul says, the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit of Christ within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. We've already talked about joy that overflows and peace that subdues. And today we're talking about patience that endures. And the final one of those nine fruit of the Spirit is the strength of the Holy Spirit in us to enable us effortlessly to produce this fruit in ourselves. And then Paul says in the next sentence, never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. An example of setting the law above these qualities of God would be to say, well, yes, God is patient, but his patience has limits. <laughs> no, his patience has no limits. Anytime we come up with a man-made concept, we're setting our human law over the truth of what God is really like. Strong's Bible Concordance, which has been kind of the go-to for people to understand what original Greek words that the New Testament was written and what they mean, it's not infallible. It has been altered at will by the editors of it. The word macrothumia in Greek means patience, endurance, constancy, steadfastness, perseverance, forbearance, long-suffering, and never avenging wrongs. However, the strong says slowness in avenging wrongs. No, Paul would say that's setting man-made law above the truth of who and what God is actually like. Now, think about this. God's patience with us, with every one of us, endures through and in everything forever. God literally never avenges wrongs against him. The wages of sin is death, but that death is not punishment from God. It's the wages of what sin itself brings to us in this world. It doesn't come from God. never punishes. He corrects 
but he doesn't punish. He doesn't say, okay, well, you did that, so now here's 40 lashes for you, or you only get 20. No, he doesn't do that. In 1 Corinthians 13, 4, Paul writes this, and Paul was the expert on this because Jesus revealed it to him personally. He says, love is large. Now, this is agape. This is God. God's love is large and incredibly patient. Footnotes in the Passion Translation, Byron Simmons says, Brian Simmons says this, love patiently endures mistreatment. It can also mean that love is incredibly patient, even in difficult relationships. Francois de Toit translates it this way in the mirror. Love is large in being passionate about life and relentlessly patient in bearing the offenses and injuries of others with kindness. Well, that's what Jesus demonstrated on the cross, isn't it? Well, the application for us is fourfold, at least fourfold. First, God is patient with us. Then God wants us to be patient with ourselves and patient with others and patient with God. That's where trust comes in. That's what trust is. We're patient with God. We don't have to have things on our timing. We're trusting him. God is patient. Christ, God is in us, and we are as he is in this world. So we are continually being conformed to his image, and part of that is experiencing and then manifesting God's patience. Once we experience it and know what it is, then we will just seamlessly be more patient with ourselves, and ultimately we'll be more patient with others, including God. Want to know what attracts people to Christ? It's not our doctrine. They could give a rip about our doctrine. I could give a rip about it myself. I don't have doctrine anymore. What attracts people to Christ is not our rules and regulations. It's not how or where or when we worship. It's certainly not what we're against. It's never our insistence that they believe like us and act like we do and follow our rules. What attracts people to Christ is not our judging and excluding and separation, not our insistence that we're right and they're wrong and they have to be like us. No, what attracts people to Christ is how Christ followers treat them, how we interact with them. When we are patient with other people, that's attractive. That's how Christ is. Now, how many of you say or have said, I'm just not a very patient person? Well, guess what? Of course you're not, because you believe what you say. Words are powerful. For years, I said, I'm just not a very patient person, and I wasn't. Well, then I stopped saying that. See, when you use the Bible words, repent and confess, which are terrible translations of the original words, when you change your mind about yourself and you say the same thing that God says about you, you will believe and say, well, I am a patient person. Just as Christ in me is patient with me, so am I patient with myself and with others and with Christ. Then you believe that Christ will be patient as you, and you visualize that, and you start seeing yourself as a patient person. And then what you believe and conceive comes into being. Now, there are different degrees of patience, humanly speaking. 
Some of us can be patient with some things for a few seconds or a moment. Some things, it's well, we might be patient for a minute or maybe one time, one instance, or a few times, or maybe several instances, but we all have limits. But God's degree of patience is perfect, infinite perfection with all things. God's perfection is relationally, relationally. That's what it means that God is perfect. He is perfect relationally. Religion is the entity that has come up with the dastardly lie that God's patience ends at some point, that it runs out. Yes, God is patient for a while. I learned a new word this week, evangelica vision, evangelica vision, the ability to see in Scripture what's not actually there. First Corinthians love 13, 5. The original Greek says, love, God, is not provoked. That's a good, legitimate translation into English. The New American Standard and the King's Version, King James Version, translate it that way. But the translators of the NIV and many other translations add a word to that translation. And they say, instead of saying, love is not provoked, love is not angered, they add a word and say, love is not easily angered. Much of religion simply cannot comprehend that God is perfect and that they have the uh, religious people have the ability to see in scriptures what's not there and to change it into how we think God is. We think he's not easily angered or easily provoked. But no, he's not angered, period. When you know that, well, that changes things. There's a big difference in not provoked, not angered, and not easily angered. God is patient, period. God is not angered, period. Uh, Jesus demonstrated that on the cross, didn't he? (laughs) Now, what are some things that make us impatient? Here are some things that a close friend, someone I'm very close to, told me makes him impatient. Having to wait in traffic, having to wait in line, a pastor who talks too long, somebody being slow ahead of them at a cash register, getting ready to go somewhere and someone else that's going with them isn't yet ready, playing a game and someone else is slow to play when it's their turn, being with someone who's slow to make decisions A close friend told me that those things cause him to be impatient. Some of you have guessed now that close friend is me. (laughs) Those things can try my patience. I don't want them to. I don't like it when I get impatient like that. I'm getting much better at not being impatient like that. And I'm seeing myself as not being impatient, but rather being patient. What are some things that can try your patience. I mean, you know what they are. Be honest with yourself. God God knows what they are too, and so do the other people around you. Now, the things that we are impatient with all have a common theme, us. (laughs) It's all about us. And why are we not impatient with certain things? Well, we feel like we're being inconvenienced. 
we feel like others should be quicker or get it or understand it quicker or learn quicker or do it right, according to us. We feel like sometimes they make us look bad when they don't get it quicker or learn quicker or do it right, according to us. I mean, that's especially true with our kids and our spouse, our parents, our employees. God is not like that. God wants us to see all people in all situations as God does. God is never inconvenienced. God has all of eternity. He is infinitely patient. God never has the attitude of, ah, they haven't got it now. They ought to get it quicker. God never has the attitude of, ah, they're making me look bad. No, the only things that make God look bad are religion lying about God and saying that God is angry and punitive and not patient and keeps a list of wrongs and has to be appeased and will punish people forever. Those things make religion's version of God look bad, but the real God is not like that. So people saying that don't make him look bad. See, that's the only thing that Jesus got angry with people about. People misrepresenting him, his father and him and the Holy Spirit. He didn't get mad at him because it made him look bad or it hurt his feelings. He got mad because it hurts people to believe that. You understand that? God loves us all. We're all his children. And he loves and includes and accepts and forgives and saves and provides for and is patient with all of us. And he doesn't want anybody telling you any different. (laughs) See, I've observed that we don't get impatient or as impatient when someone else's spouse or child doesn't do what we think they should do as quickly because they don't reflect as poorly on us. See, it's not about us. It's somebody else's problem. (laughs) All right. The question I have to ask myself and I want you to ask is, do you really want to be more patient? Or do you just enjoy being impatient? Do you want others to be more patient with you? Do you want God to be infinitely patient with you? How about this question? Do other people deserve your being patient with them? That's something to think about and to talk to God about. Are there alternatives to being impatient? (laughs) Well, of course they are. Of course they are. We start with seeing the other person like Christ does, seeing Christ in them. When you're tempted, and I'm talking to myself here, when you're tempted to be impatient, just stop. Pray as we do all the time. Ask the Holy Spirit of tooth in us to show us what she wants us to know and say and do, and then listen and say and do it. Ask yourself, is this really important or is it just a a quirkiness or pet peeve of mine? Will it make any difference if I'm a little later than I thought or if I have to wait in line a little bit longer or if somebody takes a little? Will it make any difference or is it worth getting upset with them about? Ask yourself, what's going to be the end result if this doesn't change? And be willing to reserve judgment until you really find out what's going on with the other person. And even then, don't judge. Be compassionate. Be in the moment. Be in their moment. Put yourself in their shoes. You know, when I'm waiting in line, like at a store or something, and I start to feel myself getting impatient, I've learned to just smile, talk positively and encouragingly to the other people waiting in line. Don't even talk about the wait. Talk about something else. 
See, if you speak negatively and complain about the person who you're tempted to be impatient with in the situation, that just multiplies the whole deal and it brings other people down too. There's no need for it. Doesn't do any good. When we are patient with others, the result is other people will see something different in you. They'll have a pleasant experience instead of a negative experience. They will see Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'm learning that when I don't feel patient, when I don't feel like I have patience, when I don't feel like I can be patient, I can use the RE reminder tool that we've been using. Realize that I'm thinking and speaking darkness, in this case, impatient. Recognize this kind of thinking is going to harm me and other people. Then reject it and replace it with what the Holy Spirit shows me at any given moment. Then repent, change my mind about what I believed before about being inconvenienced. And then renew, go back to my original Genesis, the mind of Christ. Then rejoice. And then the next time it happens, repeat these things. (laughs) Remember them and repeat them. We have literally been given the gift of patience. Jesus is our patience, and he's in us. You have patience. Patience lives in you and fills you. Patience is not something a human being can work up to any lasting degree. You can discipline yourself to outwardly be patient. You can learn how to act patient for a while, but inwardly, in your heart and in your spirit, that's where true patience is. And you can't gin that up in your own strength. Some of us are naturally more patient than others, but we can't gin up more patience than we have. It's a character trait or a fruit that's manifested in us as a fruit of the Spirit, empowered by Holy Spirit energy and power. Another way of saying that is Christ living as you. At its essence, patience is knowing ultimate reconciliation, knowing that God is continually working all things out for the good. And God's love is infinitely patient, and God doesn't have any timetable, doesn't have any deadline. Religion, Adam's small g God, people think, well, maybe God is more patient than the best human, but ultimately God has a choke point. Well, we think that because we have a choke point, and we have created that negative false image of God in our image. Again, evangelical vision is the ability to see in Scripture what's not actually there. Here are some things that religion sees in Scripture that are not there in regard to God's patience. Religion says, well, God is patient until the age of accountability. Whatever your abomination says that is, five years, eight years old, 12 years old, God's patient with you until then, but then you've got to get it right or else. It's not true. It's not even close to true. There's not even anything in Scripture that comes in anywhere close to hinting at that. Religion says, well, God is patient, but there must be an immediate confession of sin every time you sin, or else God's patient can't do anything for you. (laughs) Come on. Religion says, God is patient with you in this life until you take your last breath. Then he has no more patience. (laughs) <laughs> what? <laughs> it, it, it's so ridiculous. Ah. Religion says, well, God may give you one chance after death, but that's it. If you don't get it right then and his patience runs out, it's gone. Nothing he can do for you. We've been taught those things by religion 
But thank God, not a single one of them is true. And you know that. And I know that. And we get to tell people that. We don't tell people, God is really impatient with you. And if you don't get it right, he's going to toast you forever. That's a happy thing for people to hear. And it's not true. No, we get to tell them God's infinitely patient with you. Always has been and always will be. The only true God is perfectly patient. Keeps no record of wrong. Makes allowances for all wrongdoings. He did that before the beginning of time. And the Trinity, their patience never ends and never fails. Again, Jesus demonstrated that with the disciples and with all humanity infinite, divine, ultimate patience at the cross when he had every reason, humanly speaking, and in our mind, divinely speaking, to not be patient. No, he was perfectly patient. How incongruently foolish to think, well, yeah, but that was then, and when he can't take it anymore, one day he's going to come back on a big white horse and take names and kick ass. Really? Really? That's evangelica vision, the ability to see in Scripture what's not there. God never brings up our past sins, doesn't keep a record of them, chooses not to keep a list of them, never holds them against us. That is ultimate patience. That's what we want from him with us. Have to ask ourselves, do we want that for other people or just for us? All right. I think you've heard, I know you've heard good news today. I encourage you to take these things, ask the Holy Spirit of truth in you to reveal to you, are these things true? Just ask the Holy Spirit, God, are you infinitely patient with me and with everyone? God, do I have that kind of ability in me? Will you do that as me? Will you produce that patience in me? Ask, then be patient. And listen, you will be very much encouraged. Hey, thanks, everybody, for being with me for another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. Love you all. I'll see you all next time. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.